Let me talk to you a little bit about the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we started. It's a time, especially the first of the year, is a time that we need to get our focus and make sure that our eyes are on Him. Fasting doesn't do anything to God. What it does is it does something to us. It helps us to get our flesh to a point that when you fast, what you're doing is you're saying to your flesh, you're not going to do that. And you bring yourself to a place where you become more susceptible to hear God. So during these 21 days, whatever you choose to fast, some of us are fasting meats and uh, sugar and, you know, coffee and uh, some may choose to. There are some people that their fast needs to be eating more food. And you say, what are you talking about? Well, if, if you've had an eating disorder where you've tried to keep yourself from eating, then your sacrifice to God would be showing God that you're going to take care of this body and do better with it. Some of you may choose to fast because of medical reasons where you may not be able to give up food. Maybe we need to turn off Facebook. Maybe we need to shut down Fortnite. Maybe we need to give up television for a while. You know, it's amazing because TV's become our family commentator where we don't talk to each other anymore. We just let somebody talk to us through a box. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just telling you, search your heart and ask God what it is he wants you to give up for these 21 days. And then doing that, make sure that you accompany it with prayer. Because if you're just, if you're just not eating and, and not praying, you're just doing without food. But if you will accompany it with prayer, I'm believing to see some breakthroughs. How about you? Amen. We saw a breakthrough yesterday morning. A young man showed up and uh, I guess it was about nine o'clock in the morning here at the church and gave his heart to God. So let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Sometimes we, we, we're facing troubles and obstacles, but we, we have to understand that all of all the troubles and all the obstacles we face have to, if, if, if you don't have God as your foundation, then I've, I've had people want me to counsel them before and they, they weren't serving God. And I said, you're really making me reach here because everything I'm going to tell you is going to be built and based on the Word of God. And so if your premise isn't the Word of God, then the Scripture said, if the foundation be destroyed, what shall we do? Aren't you glad that you've got a foundation? Amen. For the next few weeks, I want to speak to you. Uh, we're going to enter a series called Fight For It. <clears throat> Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, Fight For It. You know, we fight for everything, don't we? I was, I, I was uh, doing some research and uh, 
I, I didn't realize how many fights break out in McDonald's over a Happy Meal. I'm serious, man. I was with some knockdown drag outs over 99 cent fry, you know? And I'm thinking, my goodness, man, what, what, what do we fight over? Have you ever seen somebody get in a fight over a parking space? Ever seen some of those clips where all of a sudden somebody pulled in in front and so the other person just backed up and rammed their car, knocked it out. I, this true story, I was, when I was in Hot Springs, Arkansas, there, there was a couple and they chased each other through town. She, what had happened, this isn't anybody you know, by the way. The, so what had happened was this, this person had, had backed out and hit his wife's car. She got mad, jumped in the car, chased him all the way through town and rammed his car. That settled everything. I mean, that, you know, right? That took care of it, you know? Now you got two cars to fix instead of just one. We fight over the most dumb things. Several years ago, there was a couple brothers at a, a family meal, and one of them ended up killing the other one over the last piece of chicken. That's not, that, that's not made up. That's true. That happened over the last piece of chicken. We need to determine what we're fighting for and if it's worth the fight. So say it with me one more time, fight for it. Today, I want to talk to you about fighting for the faith. Let me read a scripture to you, a couple of scriptures out of Jude, chapters 1 and verse 3 and 4. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I was compelled to write to you urgently, appealing that you fight strenuously for the defense of the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints, the faith that is the sum of Christian belief that was given verbally to believers. For certain people have crept in unnoticed just as if they were sneaking in by a side door. They are ungodly persons whose condemnation was predicted long ago, for they distort the grace of our God into decadence and immoral freedom, viewing it as an opportunity to do whatever they want and deny and disown our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. How many times have you seen someone give up their faith over what someone else did because of others? You ever see it? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I got offended, so I decided to go to hell. I want you to think about this for a second. We give up the one thing that's real in our lives, the one thing that's true in our life, the one thing that's worth holding on to and fighting for, and we give it up because of others. Jude is writing to them and he said, look, I was going to write to you just about this common salvation that we've got in store because isn't it wonderful? Isn't it a great thing? I mean, how many times do you, how many of you enjoy just hanging out and talking about the goodness of God? Amen. When we used to do mission trips to Russia, one of the guys that went on the trip with me, he said, I'll tell you my favorite part about this trip. It's not the going into hospitals and going into the churches ministering. It's after all the day is done and we get together and we hang out in one of the hotel rooms and we start talking about God. I had one man, one young man look at me and he said, I wish to goodness I'd brought a tablet in here. 
Why? Because when you begin to pour out of your heart about what God means to you and nobody else is around and you're not performing and you're not preaching, you're just sharing something down deep inside of your heart. That's when the cream comes to the top. That's when all of a sudden you realize how much he means to you. I always tell my wife I love her on Valentine's Day. I'm supposed to. She gave me the eye just then. <laughs> but that's not the only day I'm supposed to let her know that. And so we have to fight for the faith. I thought about what the writer said that some crept in the side door and what they did is they made grace become an excuse to do whatever they want immorally. You've got to understand something about sin. It'll take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And not let you get home when you decide it's time to. And so what you've got to do is you have to let go of it. I hear phrases today, catchphrases like, well, we're, what's one of the phrases I hear? We're, uh, well, I just heard it recently. We are well, I can't even remember. That's how much of an impression it made on me. <laughs> it, was, it, it was like they, they, they were talking about, well, we're accepting here. We're, and I thought, what's that mean? The Bible said, let whosoever will come. Of course we're accepting. Do you understand? We love people. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, we love you. Look, po point, at, point at someone and say, Everybody in here loves you. E even me. <laughs> so we, we love each other. We get that, right? But what you've got to understand is we, you can't fall into a trap where you give up faith over a desire to do something you want to do that God said don't. And so there's a difference. You get it? There's a difference between sinning and recognizing it's sin, repenting of it and asking God to forgive you, and sinning and, and, and acting like it's okay and it's acceptable with God and there's nothing wrong with it. Is anybody in the house today? What I'm saying is that we're living in a society that is wanting us to embrace everything that's wrong and treat everything that's right like it's, well, you're out of touch, you're out of, you're out of pocket, you don't, you don't get it. Can I tell you, I'm not trying to get something here. I want to make sure that I get over there. And the only way that I can get over there is to make sure that I let him be the way, the truth, and the life. Everybody say, I get it. Think about Saul and David. Saul was told to totally destroy the Amalekites. He went in and he destroyed everything except he kept the king alive. And the Bible said that he kept the best of the sheep, the oxen, the, the, the cattle, the fat calves, the lambs. It said, it said everything that appealed to them, they kept. And then when Samuel showed up and said, what's going on? Saul acted like everything was fine and dandy. And he had done everything that God had asked him to. 
there's something wrong. And listen, this is serious stuff. When we can't as an individual begin to discern what's right and what's wrong. When all of a sudden I can't tell the difference between what the scripture and what, what God says is right and what God says is wrong, that's a dangerous place to be. He ended up losing the kingdom over it. David shows up and David does what? He spots Bathsheba out the window, man. He walks out at the roof. He, he, he doesn't just look at her. He goes after her. They have an affair. She gets pregnant. God calls his hand at it. And when God called his hand at it, David repented of it. He said, God, I'm sorry. He surrendered to God. He said, you do what, you see, what seems fit to you. It's like, have you ever done something stupid? Anybody in here? Have you, let me just, come on, let's be honest with you. Have you ever sinned and didn't even realize, think about it at the time, what you were doing was wrong? Amen. Let me give you a for instance. You get into an argument and the argument is so heated that all of a sudden you decide to say something that's very cutting Instead of just sticking to the facts and the details and talking about the situation as it is and discussing your finances or, 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 or your children or whatever it is, whatever the problem is, instead of staying with the problem, it becomes a personal attack. Well, our kids would act right if you did. Where'd that come from? I guarantee you it didn't come from heaven. <laughs> What are you saying? I'm saying that all of a sudden we work ourselves up. We get our sin will take you further than you want to go. We get ourselves out on a limb and then we're just out there and we're fleshed out. And I mean, how many of you just really blown it before? You know what I mean? Wave your hand if you've ever blown it. Just stand up a minute. I'd like to take names. <laughs> See, here's what the scripture says. This will help you out. The scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The scripture says that if any man says that he hasn't sinned, he's a liar. We've all done it. We've all been there. So quit acting like we walk on water and we float on clouds and recognize that it's the grace of God that has saved us. And don't diminish grace to be something that lets you do what you want to do, even if it's wrong. Grace is something that reaches down and apprehends you when you're doing something wrong and brings you up out of it. Preserves you and keeps you. That's the grace of God. And so the writer talks about it. He said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to to fight for the faith. Don't give it up. Don't throw it in just because it looks like everybody else has. You've got to hold on to it. When you search scripture, you find places where this almost happens. It almost happened to Joshua. Joshua. You remember his story? Moses dies and now he's supposed to take over and he's a little nervous anyway and God tells him, look, I'm going to be with you and don't worry. And, and so he goes and he's got to fight against Jericho, a city that had never been defeated. Walls 18 feet thick, chariots right around on the tops of them. Joshua's given instruction on how to win the battle. And so he follows after it specifically. We're going to send the army around. You're going to march around. 
for six days. The priests will follow you bearing the Ark of the Covenant. And there'll be a rear guard that follows them. And nobody's going to say a word. You're not going to talk. You're not going to speak at all. On the seventh day, we're going to go around seven times. And at the end of that seventh trip, I'm going to give you a command to shout. And when I tell you to shout, you shout from the top of your lungs because God has given us this city. Sometimes you've got to be still and know that he's God. Sometimes it doesn't pay to speak because you'd be speaking from the fear in your heart instead of the faith in your soul. Sometimes you just got to hang on and trust him and walk after him even when it seems like nothing's happening for six days and nobody's doing anything and they're mocking. They're laughing at you, and, and then there are insults coming from off of the wall. Just hang on. God has not forsaken you. He's not forgotten you. He will give you what he promised he'll give you if you'll just do what he asked you. And so they marched. They shouted, and the walls came crashing in. And God's a God that remembers he said that he's faithful not to forget your labor of love. And so a prostitute that was in that place that had, that had hid the spies that they had sent, God spares her and her household. But there was a command given about Jericho. Everything gets destroyed. You ever hear the story about the guy that was going to give up alcohol? He had a whole he had a whole collection of whiskey bottles, and he poured out. He and he he told the story. He said, "I I poured out every drop except that one last one, which I drank." By the time he gets done with the story, he's drunk because <laughs> he just just that little bit, just that little thing, just that. Have you ever just tried to? Pet a lion. I'm not talking about getting a cage with him. I mean, just, you know, stroke his head. Just scratch him behind the ear. I was at a, I don't even know where it was. We were, we were in Rogers, Arkansas. How many of you know where Rogers, Arkansas is at? On, in Rogers, Arkansas, on the backside of nowhere. Went out into the woods someplace, and they had this sanctuary with all these animals in it. And I made a mistake. There was a, there was a cage that had a baby jaguar in it. And there was a lock on it, but it wasn't locked. And so I thought, well, if they didn't want me to go in the cage, they would have locked it. That was a big mistake. So I told my son, you stay out here. And I took the lock off the cage door. And I opened the cage up, and, and this was another mistake, and I turned my back and walked into the cage and closed the door and latched it. Didn't lock it, latched it. When I turned around, and keep in mind, see, I was thinking this is a baby jaguar. It dawned on me after I got in the cage that jaguars don't get that big to begin with. 
And so this Jaguar is about this big. And I turn around and he's up on the doghouse. I'd call it a cat house, but it was, it was a doghouse. Looked like a doghouse. He's up on it. And when I turn around, he leaps off of it, catches me here, goes down, and thankfully he's playing. But he plays rough. <laughs> he's got my thumb in his mouth with his teeth bearing down on it, and I am trying to get my hand in there and pry it open because I know he's getting ready to puncture my thumb. And when I finally get that, my thumb out of that cat's mouth, and he's, you know, he's just wanting to have my, and I'm, and I'm trying to get the cage open, and I finally get out, and I thought, why didn't they lock that thing? I'm the one that took the lock off opened the latch and walked in and now I want to blame somebody else because I got ate up. There are some things we just ought not do. And so Joshua has gone in and they're told to utterly destroy everything. Except they're supposed to keep the silver, the gold, the brass and the iron as a sacrifice or an offering to the Lord and put it in the Lord's treasury house. So they go in and man, and everything go, man, they, they conquer. Everybody go, they, they, they got it on. They, you, you know, any of you ever been in a fight? Don't raise your hand. Any of you ever been in a fight? There's something about winning the fight that just makes you feel better. You know what I'm talking about? There's something about if you walk away with a busted nose or a, you know, or a black eye or a, a, a busted lip, you don't feel quite as bad as if you won. <laughs> you know, look at the other guy. <laughs> if you think, I look a mess. And they won. They conquered. And they walked out of there and they gave glory to God and everything's going wonderful. Everybody say wonderful. They get ready to go take on another city that's not near as big as Jericho. Just a little city. And matter of fact, they said, Joshua, we don't need all the guys. All we need is a, you know, a few. Let, let, let us take a few guys down there and we'll put a whipping on them. And they get down there and they are defeated. I think about 15, 16 men die in that battle. And Joshua don't get it. You ever been there in your life? where everything was going good in your walk with God. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you suffer defeat. You take a whipping. You get knocked down. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. Listen to what Joshua says. This is in... Joshua chapter 7, verses 7 and 9. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they'll surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? 
You ever been there before? I want you to see what Joshua is doing. Joshua is contemplating what kept Israel 40 years in the desert, what kept them from getting the promised land to begin with. He made the statement, would to God that we'd stayed where we were, that God doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to take territory. He wants you to increase. And Joshua's contemplating this, why? Why is he wrestling with this? Because he suffered a loss. You need to hear me and hear me well. You're not going to get through life without getting knocked down. You are not going to make it through your journey with God and not suffer loss. It's what you do with the loss that determines whether or not you end up a winner. The devil tries to make you believe that the entire war is won or lost with one battle. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. I may have been knocked down, but I'm not out. You may have put me on the ground, but I'm getting up. I refuse to stay where I'm at. And all of a sudden, he finds out what he needs to be able to move forward. What? Matter of fact, let me, before I get there, let me, let me just show you an illustration right before they run this clip. Let me set it up. Okay, that's enough setup. <laughs> this, is, this is the third fight. Rocky loses. But there's a reason he loses. Not, I, I, his manager dies right before the fight, but there's more to it than that. And I want you to watch how he's dealing with defeat. Go ahead. That's not the way to do it. Who's that? Why don't you hit it straight, huh? Step into it. Apollo? Right. I waited at your house for about an hour and your wife said you might be here. What are you doing here? Business. I don't need this no more. I, I don't want this no more. Look, man. When you beat me, I hurt all over, and I didn't want to know from nothing or nobody, not even my kids. And we get sick inside trying to live with it, so don't back off now. Make it right for yourself, or you'll be sorry you didn't. We held the greatest title in the whole world, babe. You lost that fight, Rock, for all the wrong reasons. You lost your edge. All right. I know your manager dying had you all messed up inside. But the truth is, you didn't look hungry. Now, when we fought, 
you had that eye of the tiger, man, the edge. And now you've got to get it back. And the way to get it back is to go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe we could win it back together. Eye of the tiger, man. Paula thinks you can do it. So do I. But you, you gotta want to do it for the right reasons. Not for the guilt, not for the people, not for the title, not for money or me, but for you. Just you, just you alone. How'd you get so tough? I, I live with a fighter. I know what I'm doing. I swear I know what I'm doing. Don't Where's tell me you? what you think. Go out there and do it, Rock. I have a tiger. You understand? Yeah. Walk and knock his head off. He's just a man, Rock. Just a man, right? Go get him. I have the tiger. I have the tiger. Up and down. Slow on the start. It's my round. It's my round. So I'm going to take you this time. Boom. I'm going to take you. You're mine. You're mine. Boom. I'm going to get you. Can I get you. Come on. Can I get you. Come on. My mother is on it. Come on, little heart, little heart, Jim. Hit the face. Come on. Again, you ain't nothing. Again, come on, Jim. You're so bad. Ain't nothing. you hear what he said when he lost that fight and Apollo came in to ask him about it he said I don't need this anymore I don't want it I remember time in my own life when some things had happened around me and I was just a young Christian and when that happened I made the statement, I don't need this anymore. And I walked away. And I remember coming to a place in my life where I recognized I need him. I need him. 
I might not have needed the drama or the circumstance or what everybody else was doing. I didn't need that, but I needed him. Don't you ever get your circumstance confused with what, who God is and what God can do. Just because your circumstance isn't right doesn't mean that God can't set it right. You need to remember that God is bigger than your circumstance and he can change your circumstance if you'll just hold on to your faith. Don't let it go. You got to fight for it. Apollo told him, he said, man, you lost that fight for all the wrong reasons. You, you weren't hungry for it. He said, when you fought me, you had the eye of the tiger. God help us not to be reduced to just people that show up on church on Sundays, but give us something in our hearts and in our mind that says, God, I want my life to make a difference for you. I'm not just here to sit on a pew. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here because of what you did for me. And after what you did for me, I've got to do something. Scripture said that faith without works is dead means nothing. Faith speaks. Faith is an action word. Faith does something. His wife looked at him and said, "You, Apollo believes in you. I believe in you. But you have to. I had someone tell me one time, they said, I don't believe in God. I said, that's okay. He still believes in you. He still believes in you. You have to recognize and understand that God doesn't give up on you Amen. when you give up on him. God doesn't throw in the towel when you decide to walk out of the ring. God's waiting for you. He's saying, come on back. Amen. Come on home. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to end this way. He was beaten up. He felt like he could never do it. He was afraid, but perfect love casts out fear. When he went back in that ring, he went back in that ring with his mind made up. I am not going to be defeated. I'm not going down. If you knock me down, you may knock me down, but I'm getting back up. I'm, just, I'm not going to quit because I'm hurting. I'm not going to quit because I've gone through something. I'm going to keep pushing for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Push for it. Fight for it. He went in there and... He said, he's getting wore out. He's, he's getting wore out. I know what I'm doing. The scripture said, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Now, I know this is the movies, but there was a fighter by the name of Rocky Marciano. And he, had, he, he, he was a champion. He, you know, that, I mean, people couldn't take him out. But in one fight he got into, he got knocked down several times. They knocked him down until finally the commentator was thinking, man, why don't they throw in the towel? He just keeps getting up. And the fighter looked at him and thought, what's wrong with this guy, man? He's been beaten. Why doesn't he stay down? And he got back. He got knocked down again. And the fighter walked over and Rocky, Rocky, yeah, Rocky Marciano started getting back up on his feet. When he did, the fighter looked at him just shaking his head. When he went toward him, Rocky came up and knocked him out. They asked him afterwards, what caused you to keep getting back up? He said, I knew 
as long as I kept getting up, I'd win. He said, because I knew it'd only take one punch. <laughs> you need to understand something. God has packed you with a punch. It's called his Holy Spirit. And as long as you keep getting back up, you're not going to have to worry about losing that battle. Because if God before you, who my friend can be against you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You're going to win the fight. Joshua nearly allowed one man to cause him to give up. The man's name was Achan. A Babylonian garment a few shekels of silver and a wedge of gold were what were keeping them from going forward. But Joshua didn't know it. And instead of going to God and saying, God, show me what I need to do, he went to God ready to give up, ready to go back. I wish I'd stayed on the other side of the river. I want you to hear God's words of wisdom to Joshua how he sets Joshua down to counsel him and talk to him and explain things to him. It's found in verse 10 of the seventh chapter. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up! What are you doing lying on your face like this? Ooh. <laughs> That's better than going Mufasa. <laughs> What are you talking? I'm saying God tells him, get up off of your face. That's not who you are. That's not who I called you to be. I've already told you that I'm going to give you every place you set your foot. Now get up and deal with this thing and go forward. Do you know why sometimes we stay in the mess we're in? Because we don't want to deal with it. Go into the kitchen, make a big mess, walk out, say, Debbie, would you go in there and deal with that? <laughs> you tell that to your wife, and your wife will say, I'm fixing a deal with you. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest things, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I was getting something out of the refrigerator, and when I went to get it out, Something slipped out, and I said I'd never forget it, but now I forgot what it was that slipped out. All I remember is the mess. It was something, man, like, it, it was like, it was something nasty. You know what I'm talking about that makes a big mess? I don't, I don't remember if it was a bowl of soup or, or if it was a, a bunch of grape juice or what it was that, that I, I reached in there and I went to pull it out, and it, it went all over the place. And I stood there, a grown man. Oh, God. Just, you ever have one of those days where you just, oh. And Debbie came in and said, honey, I'll clean this up. <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited. I said, oh, I love you. I, woo! Now check this out. My life was so messed up. There would seem like there was no hope, no way out. And all of a sudden, Jesus stepped in and said, I'll deal with this mess for you. That's why I'm happy. That's why I get excited. That's why I jump and shout. Because of who he is. Fight for your faith. Don't let it go. Don't give up. Stand up. Those were God's words.
Get up. Quit lying on your face like that. Get up. How many of you are ready to get up? <laughs> Turn around, look at your neighbor and say that to him. I know you're dying to. Are you ready? Look at him. Get that look in your eye. Get the eye of the tiger. Eye of the tiger. Look at him and say it. Get up. Ooh. Some of you didn't like the way that sounded, did you? You better back off telling me get up. I stay here and soak in my pity as long as I want to. Oh, do you get it? Do you understand what I'm talking about? This isn't Moses telling him that. Think about what Joshua's thinking. Man, Moses is dead. Now here I am with these people. I remember all the trouble they gave Moses. What am I supposed to do when we lose a battle? Don't make the mistake of focusing on something that's temporal instead of something that's eternal. Everybody say it with me. Just get up. John Wesley made this statement. He said, give me a hundred men that fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I'll shake the world. Would you stand with me? How many of you ready to shake some things up? Well, I'm glad that this part of the church is ready. It's 2019, folks. I'm going to give you the opportunity to start the new year off right. How many of you are ready to shake some things up? All right. When Elvis shook things up, it caused him to become famous. If you'll shake some things up, you'll find out that God is right there with you, seeing you through every situation and obstacle that you face. Let me read this poem to you. We're going to pray. Two frogs fell into a can of cream or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croak number one? Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friends, goodbye, cruel world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise, the while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while, at least, he said, or so I've heard, he said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or two he kicked, he kicked and swam. Not once he stopped to mutter, but kicked and kicked and swam and kicked, then hopped out by a butter. If you'll quit drowning in that bowl of cream, and begin to kick, you're going to turn it into butter. All you've got to do is make up your mind, I'm not giving up. Everybody say it with me, I'm not giving up. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house. Father, we thank you. We love you. Now, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're in the house today, 
and you need to get your fight back. Because, you know, I mean, we've all been there, haven't we, where we feel like, what's the point? What's the use? Every time I try, it just doesn't work out. If you're ready to get your fight back on, I want you to come to the front of the building right now, real quickly, very quickly. Come to the front of the building. Sometimes we just get wore out, don't we? Sometimes we feel like, man, I've just given it my best shot and my best shot didn't seem good enough. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just tapped out. What you have to remember is this, is that God honors your try. Everybody say try. When you try, You're never going to climb that mountain if you just keep standing at the foot of it, staring at it. You have to try. I've lived by this ology for a large portion of my life. And it's that I would rather try and fail than fail to try. Because if I try and fail, I'll live to try again. But if I fail to try, I'll never know what God would have done. That's what caused me to quit a job almost 27 years ago. I guess it's been 28 years ago and go on the road full time. I couldn't live with the thought, what if 10 years from now, I'm still sitting at this place wondering what God would have done You know what? There were some struggles. There were some tough times. I remember going down the road in my Frito-Lay truck. (laughs) It's what it looked like. Heater didn't work, man. But I wasn't complaining about it, honest to goodness. We were going down the road and I remember looking at my watch and it said two o'clock and that was break time at the plant and tears started rolling down my face. And I said, God, thank you that you've allowed me to be out here serving you and doing what my heart's desires always meant. I'd sit in that plant and hear a voice in my ear, what are you doing here? Why aren't you telling my people that they're winners and not losers? They need to know. It was like that voice saying, get up, get out of here. Go do what I called you to do. That journey brought me here. And I'm telling you, the best is still yet to come for us. The best is still yet to come. You're going to see God work in your family this year like you've never seen him work in your family before. You're gonna see people start showing up and coming to God that said they didn't want anything to do with him. Why? Because he loves them and he's not willing to let them go. Fight for the faith, stand on the promise, and never let it go. I want you to stretch your hands to heaven with me. We're going to pray. All those of you that are standing back there, I'm assuming you're standing back there because you got your fight on. So, amen. So I want you to stretch your hands toward your brothers and sisters and say, God, 
reignite their fire, put the fight back in them. Are you ready for it? Come on, sing it. to come by all I'm going to do is I'm going to lay hands on you and agree with you so if you're agreeing that this is going to be a horrible year you better not let me touch you because I'm going to come in agreement with you I don't know what you're believing for but I'm going to I'm going to set my faith in agreement with you now here's one thing you need to know about God if you're asking God for something that's not right you're wasting your breath he said, you have not because you ask not. And then sometimes you ask amiss or you're asking for the wrong thing. So make sure you're asking for the right thing today. Are you ready? Say, sing it one more time. Stretch your hands at me with me. Stay with me.
heart I won't let the darkness beat me down I'll sing in the night my hope alive in you Walk through the fire and I'll be burned I'm praying the fire once you turn Jesus tonight I give it all to you I won't let the storm burn my heart I won't let the darkness beat me down Seeing the night my hope alive in you says that no man can see God and live when God touches you something's going to happen you may fall out you may weep you may laugh I'm not concerned about what happens I just want you to I just want you to touch God and let me say this too I am not serving a wimpy God I'm not serving a God that you can put in your hip pocket or you take him out when you're ready to take him out. I'm talking about a God that spoke this world into existence. Let him be God in your life. Quit being afraid of him. Quit backing away from him and say, God, here I am. Use me. Touch me, God. Use my life. Are you ready for it? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, this is my year. 2019, I get my promise in Jesus' name. You walk out of here victorious, knowing that if God be for you, who, my friend, can be against you?
Jesus, tonight I give it all. 